When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gazpacho, police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Welcome to today. I hope we were able to indulge. We were just talking about indulging in some self-care with all of the terrible news, but that sounds like it was foiled for you, Caitlin. <laughs> it was. They actually, uh, they reglazed my tub the the day earlier in the day and so i i was really looking forward to taking a bath and i still am very much i haven't <laughs> been able to take a bath the entire six months i've lived here so that's you know because of the, the issues with the glazing mm-hmm. but you know you get that news and then you're like why i can't even be clean right now i can't i can't even the bathroom like I need to take a bath every day. I don't know what it is about in there. I'm wondering if you guys too, but it's like, it is the only time where I feel like I am really alone. Nobody can bother me. I just feel at peace. I'll just sit in there my whole life. I'll sit in there for an hour and a half. And like my boy, my fiance leaves me alone. An but hour and a half. It's been known to happen. <laughs> my best friend, <laughs> my best friend walks in for several hours. She's binged entire seasons of shows inside that bath. Oh, wow. Like, like she you an hour and a half that is that is beginning this is so weird but yeah this is the i got into this habit when i read all of a tale of two cities in the bath overnight in high school and then i just made this like weird association with it (laughs) where it's like this is where i focus that's an interesting how are we controlling the temperature Oh, we're we're draining and refilling throughout the process. Consistent. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. a good. Yeah. No, you gotta you gotta learn the cycle. And that's what the, I've yeah, learned. and I've never had a. I mean, living in the city, I don't know if anybody in New York City that rents has a bath that like actually keeps the water in for more than ten minutes. So it is. That really was my a next question. It keeps you on the keeps you on the edge of your seat. Yeah. <laughs> Are you picking apartments, or have you picked apartments by the quality of the bath? Because I've never been in like a. I've never had like a great bath in an apartment. I just need a bath, but there are so many apartments that just don't have one at all, just the shower. And that is definitely a deal breaker for me. Because like I said, like I cherish that. I got to get in there, close the door, submerge myself, disassociate. It's key. (laughs) Have you ever had a very nice bathtub in the city? Because I've never. Never. Like they've always been fine. No, never. There's always like midway through, you're like, everything's dirty. Nothing is right about this. Like my romantic partner was in here for a long time earlier. Like, you know, it's just. 
It's a lot. But you know what? That's why I really, when you said, Caitlin, you couldn't immediately take a bath. I felt that. I felt that. We all have those things that it's just- It's freshly glazed now, though. So oh, this terrific. is exciting. It's never going to be this clean again. Since you started talking about this like 20 minutes ago, I've wanted a donut now. <laughs> you know what? freshly glazed donut. Have it. Have it. Oh, Get absolutely. a Krispy Kreme. Show them my your choice. vaccine card. Are they still doing that? <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. Uh, all right. So before we get into a little bit more, you know, our rights going away stuff, it's been a rough week. I think we all need a hero. But this is the hero nobody asked for. Did you guys hear about pro-life Spider-Man? No. Looking like no. Feel free to click this link in here and you'll see a picture of him. But yesterday, an anti-abortion rights activist free climbed the tallest building in San Francisco. The Salesforce Tower is 60 floors. This guy, he calls himself the pro-life Spider-Man. He was arrested after this, but he does this all the time, apparently. This isn't his first time scaling structures in protest. He also climbed the Aria Hotel in Vegas in protest of COVID restrictions. My question is, why are you climbing? Why are you free climbing 60 floors in protest? Ego, like In protest of people being able to make decisions about themselves. Interesting, interesting decision to like free climb First of all, it, mm. it's, I mean, it's bringing attention, but it, which I suppose is, is like a thing, but like, I'm not quite sure the, the point of this particular accomplishment. No, apparently he is protesting against like a specific abortion provider in his area that he does not like. And obviously the fire department is like, please do not do this. This is not a smart way to protest. This is dangerous. But I just think it's giving him too much credit to call him pro-life Spider-Man. I think we have to give him like, a different name. I'm going to start referring to him as the anti-choice idiot with a death wish. I mean, that that works. I was I was thinking we could just go with stupid man, which stupid is man. very very like in the same cadence as Spider-Man, you know? And then you can add it yeah. stupid man, stupid pro-life man. stupid man. <laughs> My question is if he had man. died, what did he think he was martyring himself for? Like just bizarre. <laughs> These are the same people who kill doctors. So just mm -hmm. tossing it out there, they're not quite on the level. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Okay, I think this is just a man who wants attention. And he's like, Oh, let me make it about something. So I will get more attention. Thousand percent. That's it. Like, America is an attention hungry country. And yeah. uh, everyone's got to find their own got to get their own applause. Yeah, I wonder what structure this man's gonna die. The next time we talk about this guy, he's gonna be dead. So have fun, pro-life Spider-Man. Continue, continue free climbing for absolutely no reason. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So today we, of course, going to talk about some more fallout from the leaked 
draft opinion telling us that Roe versus Wade is going to be shortly overturned. Today, specifically, I kind of wanted to talk about how this happened. I mean, we talk about it on the show all the time. We have hit this, but I think we probably have some new listeners, people that are coming back really freaked out about this, who are confused how if 70% of Americans support Roe versus Wade, why it's about to be overturned. We, it's like 65 to like 73% are what the polls you see. People have a lot, of, the polls vary in terms of how much abortion, when, where, but Roe specifically is very popular. I also want to discuss my ordinary rule in terms of why we have a Senate that is not going to act in this moment. I think people are very confused like, why why Roe is so popular and we thought we all elected these Democrats to national government. I mean, what do you think is like, is there a number one reason or do all of these reasons, where should we start? Should we start with Electoral College? Should we start with rigged Senate? Should we start with 1929? I was going to say misogyny is a good place to start and the oh, seriousness of women's issues uh, when we talk about them. I don't want to say that this is specifically a women's issue. Obviously, it is a broader scale than that, so I don't want to exclude. But at the same time, it's very right. important to emphasize that misogyny is at the core of this, and this is about specifically attacking and punishing women and constructing an idea of womanhood that rests on reproductive control and forcing people into a structure where that is all that they are and you are defined by that rather than you know, defining yourself and making choices from that perspective. And we don't take, like, it's um, incredible to me that, like, they were like, we're going to destroy this thing. And yeah. people for, like, half a century were like, yeah, sure, we're just going to continue letting them build the Federalist Society to argue about it. We're going to continue letting them pack courts. We're going to continue letting them bring cases. We're going to continue letting them pass laws. We're going to continue. It's just like over and over again. It's just like, okay, it's fine. What are they going to do? And it was like, no, this is a really serious thing. Bodily autonomy was fundamental to so many other rights. The right to privacy, which should frankly be implied by the Fourth Amendment, is weirdly suddenly not like, oh, you can be secure in your person, papers, and things, but not your internal organs. You're like, there's logic here that seems to be missing. I'm confused. You know, and it's just I I find myself like the reason our politics doesn't take it seriously is because we don't take women seriously. We don't take issues that disproportionately affect women seriously. We don't frame our politics around like women being people. Right. I mean, so I think it's I mean, that is a a great place to start. I think that like you can look at it in, in two ways. I look at it as like half of a cultural problem, which is that misogyny piece women are not taken seriously women's issues are not really considered with any gravity whatsoever and then you have the political structural issues which i think that's where most people are actually fairly confused as to why the democrats won the white house and congress and they're like okay well we voted for them so why are they still telling us to vote when we voted for them and they have power and they're not doing anything and i think that is where you need to fill in like so many gaps in terms of like the structural arrangement of the government and how because of basically I would say three to five decades of party strategies on both on each side and what each party decided to pursue and care about when it came to elections and just realistically the way that American government is set up is that we kind of you have to kind of just tell people like look every loophole 
in the Democrats' power is working against them. And then you have a Republican Party that has kicked a number of critical norms to the side when it comes to the Supreme Court, when it comes to the filibuster, when it comes to bringing bills to take a fucking vote on them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can go back to gerrymandering and, you know, redistricting and like the Republican focus on local government and state legislatures when the Democrats chose to focus mostly only on national huge elections, occasionally a Senate race. But um, (laughs) yeah, like so I think there's you can't just be like it's one factor. It's really a structural factor and cultural that are just combining really horrifically. Yeah, I mean, that's such a great way. But the what you both said, it's like such a disastrous convergence of those things of like the Republican Party choosing this culture war and choosing to activate. I mean, a number of them and then Democrats just not bothering to fight back hard enough specifically because they just do not care about what I mean, just the fact that like Joe Biden, I don't think he said abortion yesterday. I'll double check that. But like people got upset when I called him out for not saying abortion during the State of the Union. But it's like Alencia Johnson said with this yesterday, it's like that means they won the culture war. If we're scared of saying the word abortion like that just seeds so much ground to them. And we are asking so much of casual news consumers and casual voters who want to have an impact to be like, well, here here's this huge structural matrix of how they rigged it. It's like it is asking a lot for people to just understand that and then still vote again. I mean, obviously we will. And we're going to promote that, but it's uh, frustrating. OK, I one question I do want to parse through is the question of who won the culture war, because I don't really think that Republicans won the culture war because look at what's on TV. Look at what is in the mainstream out saying yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at what's like in the mainstream, what do corporation what are corporations afraid to support versus or what do they hide their support of versus what do they advertise their support of? They're not changing their logos to be like pro force birth. They change their logos to be pro pride month, like the political culture war is a very different culture war than the culture culture war. Yeah. Because if you talk about like actual American, you know, what's out there in advertising, in media, in content, who are some of the most influential figures on mass? Like, yeah, you have Joe Rogan and you have a Dave Portnoy and you have a Trump and an Elon Musk. But then you also have like such I'm so a triggered right now. You just said them mass. all in a row so I'm fast. Sorry. Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> and then you could, <laughs> so then you um you know, so it's sort of like there's such a a dichotomy of what the actual culture war is. But at the end of the day, Republicans and their voters have a different approach to politics than liberals do. And that has strengthened their ability to maintain minority rule and inflict their rule on the winners of the culture culture war. Let's call it. Mm-hmm. So I want to throw back to history here, not the Civil War prohibition. No. Where culturally, we know that virtually everybody was drinking. <laughs> it was not, we, the actual war on alcohol did not get, not even vaguely. Like yeah. they, they outlawed alcohol and it immediately made it more popular. And of course, built organized crime. So super great, way to go. <laughs> um, but the, the thing was, is that that was a political victory. Also that it ushered in things like suffrage, we don't get into like how that was tied together. But yeah. like there was a deliberate effort, you know, from the the dry side, as it were, to focus on taking over institutions 
attacking, you know, their only thought was like, you have to agree with, they didn't care what other policy positions a politician had. If they weren't, if they weren't dry, they weren't getting elected. It was that simple. A focus on a target and a, a constant attack. And I think Republicans really learned from that and really took that on. I mean, not just, I mean, they took a lot of losses, not just, you know, from the failure of prohibition, but also remember like prohibition ended when, you know, FDR and the New Deal came in because he ran wet. So he, I know this all sounds, this sounds so like, a very old Somebody's term. like fast forwarding Why? through an ad and then gets what? to that and is like, he ran wet. He ran wet. <laughs> no, but he basically is like, yeah, beer is awesome. And people were like, wow, this guy, he totally gets it. I am in the middle of a depression. I'm not really interested in like controlling my wine intake yeah. right now. <laughs> and then um, Kavanaugh was like, I like beer. <laughs> yeah. But that is the the construct that we're in, the, the culture war versus you know, the actual culture, we are widely disparate. And you're going to see the same kind of process happen on this kind of side for us as we have to deal with laws that actively inhibit our ability to make decisions for ourselves and practice culture as we see it outside of, you know, the biggest issue as I as I understand it is like Democrats have gotten very territorial and kind of been like, we have our spaces, we've got blue spaces, pointing out that this polarization started when we started labeling people red for George W. Bush, who was red in the 2000 election versus blue, which was Al Gore in the 2000 election. We've now polarized completely on that, used to flip back and forth hmm. who was blue and who was red each election. I did not and that know that. never going to happen again. <laughs> who knows? So like, we have these like really deeply, you know, like, like Democrats are just kind of like, well, write it off. And it's like, well, you're writing off all the Democrats who live in these places. And by refusing to activate them, we are basically leaving, you know, Republicans to win smaller scale localized culture wars. And, you know, we can talk about how we have the lar- larger, broader culture, but eventually that will collapse if you don't go and correct the actual issue. Yeah. It scares me a little bit that you use prohibition as this particular example, because not to bring up Betcha's foray into the alcohol business, but from this project of doing faux pas, I learned a lot about the laws around alcohol. And let me tell you, 100 years later, the entire liquor industry is still basically running around the framework of prohibition laws. That's so crazy. The entire liquor industry is set up as a result of laws from that time. So to, if you think like, okay, there's no more prohibition, like now I, now I can drink, it's fine. You can't just undo it all in a, in a century even. So the effects will remain. It reminds me of the trap laws, which is like some of these states have already had to like set up completely inane structures to even like make abortion possible. And it's like, just, just to get to the final product. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. 
Since I started using Pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. So now let's go through minority rule by the numbers, because I always just think this is impactful to hear. So to go back to 2016, I think this electoral college is obviously part of it. Three million people famously voted for Hillary Clinton, then Donald Trump. But Trump became president, as we know, and he ended up appointing a third of the current Supreme Court. The Senate is also rigged in favor of Republicans, and it was when Mitch McConnell refused to hold a hearing for Merrick Garland. But Amy Coney Barrett, for example, she was confirmed by a Republican majority in the Senate that represented 15 million fewer people than the Democratic senators. And she was also confirmed when, like, it was looking like Joe Biden was going to win and we were going to win the Senate. Like, it was 15 days before, right? Something horrifying. Democrats did take the Senate, of course, in 2020, but still hold an equal number of seats. Since winning both Georgia races and the other ones we picked up, this disparity is even bigger. Democrats now represent 42 million more people than Republicans, despite holding an equal number of Senate seats. And of course, we have Kamala Harris. The Senate is skewed towards minority rule because every state is limited to two senators, but also gets a minimum of two senators. So Wyoming, which has less than 600,000 people, it's like 578,000, gets the same representation in the Senate as California's 40 million people, which we repeat a lot, just sounds crazy. Sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, this is actually one of the reasons for the Missouri Compromise. I know, I'm just, and I'm so sorry, I'm giving you- <laughs> We love it. That's what Wednesday is for. Caitlin, there's probably so many people going around being like, you don't even know, on this podcast, I heard that, yeah. the Missouri Compromise. <laughs> oh yeah, people yeah. tell us well, all the time. what happened was is that the states kept entering the union, one slave, one free, in order to actually maintain a balance that forcibly- like elided the fact that like the North had so many more people. So the political power of the South, like part of the reason that they were like, we're going to secede and we're going to win. And it's like, you saw the structurally, it's like, y'all are batshit. You're not going to win against like this heavily industrialized, well-connected, richer, like everything about this fight is dumb and you should not do it. And you're terrible people for fighting for slavery. But then they were like, oh, it's fine, because they were so used to having disproportionate power versus their numbers, including three-fifths of their slaves, that they forgot that they were like a, like six million free people versus 21 million free people. Like, those are the actual numbers. And it doesn't show up in our politics at all, because it's like, oh, is it even sides? It's like, were they even? They were not. They were not even. We're in the same place now. It's not even. And that's alighting the fact that it's like, oh, we have equal sides. We're a split Senate. It's like, we're not. Our majorities are significantly bigger. And what pr- more proof do you need than what's happening right now? You know, like, I feel like fi- people can finally see, like, this does not make sense, that this is something that most people support and is 
we're really looking down states being able to ban it? I mean, structurally, we have to change. I don't know if you're going to get a change in the Senate because there is a reason that it's designed the way it is, which is, I mean, it's it's a lot of fuckery, but at the same time, you don't necessarily want totally. a, a huge thumb on the scale for biggest states because it's fine when you are a big state. You know, we're all talking about it now. Yeah. Like, everything is fine. Right. It's great. We've got, we're liberals. We should have the right to say all this. stuff. it's like, well, yes, yes, we should have a representative government on the other side. One day we may be the smaller states and we don't right. necessarily want to get run roughshod by bigger states, you know, like just because we can't consider it now doesn't mean it's not worth it. But at the same time, fix the house. I right. can't what, stop what, saying is the, what role does the house play? I mean, the house is a little bit more proportional, right? But no. it's still no. Interesting. It's completely fucked. It's been fucked for about a century now, almost exactly, because I'm going to say it again. Permanent Apportionment Act of 1929. We got to put that on a mug. Consensus yeah. to avoid those big ass cities. And so oh, that's what it was. Again. I couldn't remember why they wanted the 1910. So, so they made this act that capped it at 435 in 1929, but they based it off an old census that undercounted cities. Okay, got it. The so 1910 it, census. Why didn't they base it off the 1920 census if they passed if it? If they gone that? off for the 1920 census... You would have seen like all of us. You oh, see, yeah. it's got you got all the Jews, I you got all see. the blacks. It would have oh, gotten crazy. They would have, we would have had like way more representation. So they were like, "Fuck that noise!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's I pretend that makes we don't a lot know. of sense. Yeah. Wow, really crazy. One thing that could also sort of like intervene here is eliminating the filibuster, which of course is not a law. It's like really just a rule. People say to me a lot is that like, oh, but then Republicans will be able to pass things with 50 votes. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, honey. But if you do not think that the second Republicans retake the Senate, which will happen eventually, they do not get rid of it, then I can't. I can't. Look, this is what I mean when I say They're there's just a gap between, anxious, but yeah. between, but the Democrats are in charge and reality you know what I mean and I think that that escapes people and that has to do with the fact that people generally only get engaged every two to four years the easiest way to message to people who are not consistent more consistently engaged is like you know this this vote means everything and like if you vote these people in they promise they're gonna do what they're gonna protect your rights and it's like okay well we did and then all those people who are like paying attention you know not as consistently they're like wait i don't get it mm-hmm. and you then need like but by then, then it's we're like, like why, well, the why filibuster but then it's like what like what but are then they're like about? why, why did you tell why do i care right yeah exactly one, yeah one of the easiest ways actually around this i know this is this is wild is just to make republicans the enemy and democrats <laughs> have actively denied this i mean joe manchin who we're gonna bring up is obsessed with like bipartisanship and it's like these people are not our friends they're not our friends they do not share goals with us they do not share it's one of those things that's like when you're talking about like a, a toxic friendship and you're like if someone actually cares about you they wouldn't put you through this they wouldn't ask you to do that like there's only so far that friendship goes and the fact that it's based off of this camaraderie that like you're not like the little people it's fucked and it, it undermines the very purpose of your job you know, and I just don't have time for it anymore. Become a Republican, motherfucker. Yeah, he is. Here, here's the thing. I think that people think, again, less consistently engaged Americans see bipartisanship as code for nice, conciliatory, 
I'm a good person who examines every side of the issue. I'm neutral. I'm objective. I'm fair. I, I am fair. I am nuanced because I am bipartisan. And I think, and like, in theory, you know, I understand why one might make those assumptions. But that is the crux of why I think people are so like, again, just sort of, oh, but bipartisan. Bipartisan's better. You know, it's... It's this assumption if you're not fully engaged with the ways that these norms have been broken. Republicans don't seem to have think that. Yeah, they do. And it's convenient. The reasons it works is because Republicans to their base, to the people who engage with them, 100% are like, these people are our enemy. We will destroy them. And Democrats are like, these people are like, that's what we, we want. The same thing that you do. We want nice. We're just going to continue doing this until it's like it's literally an abusive relationship where you think like you can change them and stop getting them to hurt you if you could just be better and it's not like the exact language of an abuser it is outrageous at this point i think chuck schumer needs to bring in brene brown like i genuinely think like i was thinking today like can we ask brene brown to do a video where she just gives them a fucking pep talk and is like why do you have so much shame about like get yourself together you won this fucking election Dare to lead people. <laughs> Daring, dare greatly. Dare greatly. This is, you were elected by all of these people. But yeah, I mean, you're right, Joe Man. And I think it's like Joe Man. They have imposter syndrome. Completely. Joe Manchin just needs to be a Republican because he provides cover for people that are like, that maybe don't belong in this party or don't understand what this party believes. And they're like, well, Joe Manchin feels this way. So I'm also a Democrat like that. It's like, no, neither of you are, honey. Like, you're not. Yeah. I, I think actually this the time has come. You know, there's like Joe Manchin's behavior and is he going to become a Republican on his own, blah, blah, blah. But like the real answer is force him out. Like the, the time has come. Like if you're not going to be you, this, we are at the these cross crossroads. I remember like reading this piece in the Daily Beast about how like desperately Democratic senators, even from like John Tester from Montana. And, you know, we're talking about Angus King. They were like lobbying super hard for this voting rights legislation. Angus King isn't even a Democrat. He's an independent from Maine. And we're talking about these guys who represent, again, those same white you know voters that they say they can't get and all this other stuff. And they are very firmly behind voting rights. And they were desperately trying to get Manchin to like pin him down to like make it clear. And every time he just would let it go and Biden more or less sat back and was like, you only call on me at the last second. And then when he they did, he was like, I kind of want Build Back Better way more than I want voting rights, which is the dumbest argument I've ever seen. It's very chicken egg. It's like, how are you going to get all of this to work without the voting rights, sir? How, how is yeah. that supposed to happen? So they'll just repeal it in a t- yeah. 10 minutes. Exactly. And which is the same thing with like the codifying row. It's like, I understand where people are coming from. I understand that we want a clean shortcut that is going to fix this. But it took 50 years for them to successfully destroy it. And it's not going to be undone super quickly. You're going to need to do crazy things. And you're going to need to argue on behalf of those crazy things. And you're going to have to be very, very affirmative. And you're going to need to make Republicans the enemy until they are willing to compromise with the majority of the country. And unless you do that, we're going to continue being in this holding pattern. Because it happened, again, we've lived through this before. Every time people are like, this is unprecedented. I mean, it's like, eh, you know, we did have a whole right. ass war. We did, we did, we did. And it was almost exactly along the same terms.
We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Yeah, and I, I want to be careful about like how much how much credit I take away from Democrats for not moving forward with the Women's Health Protection Act, because it does sound like it would immediately states would be like, no, the court said that we can do this. So you're infringing on our right. And I do want them to kind of like get caught trying. But I also refuse to believe that at no point, like at no point in the time when we had like, didn't we have a supermajority during Obama? They weren't like, let's just get this done. Maybe that would really just was something that they completely dropped the ball on that could have prevented this. But I, I can't imagine that's the case. Honestly, this is like a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. Yeah. And no matter when you did it, it wouldn't actually matter. And the truth is, it's really not that impressive that like the House passed it like within minutes. Like it's like, OK, no, well, because they always do. They think doesn't yeah. mean anything. And also, would you have passed it if you were sure it could get passed in the Senate? Let's be honest. A lot of these things are just about getting the headline and acting like you're moving swiftly. But, you know, nothing's actually going to happen. You know what would be very useful right now? You know, the VRA, the ERA, sorry, VRA also needs help. But the ERA did get a vote in Virginia and was codified by Virginia's state. And that was like the last one that was necessary to gain the majority. People are squishy about whether or not it could actually be instituted. And of course, you know, you have to get it into the Senate and that has to be confirmed. But pointing out the obvious you know, Democrats run on an equal rights amendment right now. I think they've got the fucking midterms. I think yeah. that if you run on 
We, right. if you don't vote for this, we are all voting for this. This is what it means to be a Democrat. Oh, yeah. You Equality. get your 60 year old white women in the suburbs the behind that. I totally. don't see how you're going to argue yeah. with that. And, and that allows us to start having a different discussion and also to put Republicans on the defensive. Why don't you want women to be equal? Yeah. You know, they right. have to affirmatively argue now like, oh, women aren't equal. It's like, OK, well, have fun arguing that. Have fun after this half century. Have fun after all this time actively saying we think women are inferior, you know, and, and that's not even counting the fact that like gender is a much broader spectrum than just a simple binary. If you expand, like it's going to allow us to rally a little bit better and encompass so many more people. But like you have to you have to get rid of the people who are going to stop you from that. You know, Joe Manchin is going to be over here being like, I'm not going to vote for that. And be like, bitch, you're not a Democrat anymore. We don't caucus with you. We don't recognize you. Chuck is saying you're, you're gone. I understand it's going to lose control of the Senate. But you know what? We're not. We don't have it. Of yeah, the Senate. exactly. Yeah. So fuck that noise. We got the Supreme Let's Court. Let's tell voters what we actually need. Like we and don't have the Senate. We need to ta- win it. Not just if Manchin it. really does believe in bipartisanship, when he becomes a Republican, he'll still do the vote for him as a Democrat, right? That's funny. You said you yeah. believe in negotiating. But, Suck you know, that Trump ass, you motherfucker. You know? It's, <laughs> it's actually, I think you're so right about how like this needs to be taken a step up for the midterms. And that's the only real strategy that's available. That's really the truth. It's like you're gifted. You are gifted this leak or whatever you know and now you have your time and literally could buy you the midterms yeah i mean there's a big there's a prominent like where is he i I think it's texas the person running against him is jessica cicero's and it's an anti-choice it's a it's an anti-abortion rights democrat and like had this come out after his primary maybe he probably was gonna win yeah yeah and now i think she has a much better chance because you're right people know people know what they need to do i'm very curious i want to learn more I think centering the ERA is is great and like messaging about how that will actually have an impact. We'll be talking about this probably every day, all summer. <laughs> Until oh, yes. the end of democracy. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betcha Sub Podcast. Bye. The Betcha Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.